Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo and right alongside, of course, each and every uh, week is none other than LBJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Welcome. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, we, uh, we managed to, uh, as I say, dodge a bullet uh, in our area in Florida and of course I did get out uh, of the state and uh, stayed up with uh, my girlfriend Carol in uh, southern Alabama for uh, a few days through the weekend, and uh, we, we were very fortunate. But um, uh, as, as we all know from watching many of the um, uh, television broadcasts, that there were some areas that were hit uh, very, very difficult. So we're um, very fortunate on our end here, uh, but certainly our thoughts and prayers are go out to uh, uh, those that maybe got caught in, in some of the areas down in Naples. And obviously the Keys were hit very, very bad uh, first and foremost. Um, but Naples and even over to Miami, uh, Cindy got some really, really rough uh, weather through the uh, early parts of the weekend. Um, but it, it seemed to kind of fizzle out as it moved up the, the coast. So we're very fortunate of that. But uh, um, what a great, uh, you know, testament to many of the first responders in that and, and uh, many of the officials for really stepping up and, and their preparedness. Um, I don't know how much of the uh, broadcasts and that that you saw through the weekend, but uh, they just really, uh, really stepped up and, and were were prepared for for what was uh, you know about to happen. So we have to give our, a shout out to all of the uh, responders and all of the uh, officials for for making that happen and and uh, you know evacuating the state and and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, uh, great job uh, to all the yeah to all the men and women for doing that. Um, but um, you know and and obviously. Uh, you know, later last night and, and yesterday afternoon up in the Carolinas and, and parts of Atlanta uh, or in Georgia, uh, saw some, some rough weather, some tornadoes and, and that as well. So uh, hopefully everybody's safe. Um, you know, the, the thing is, Cindy, there's so many golf professionals and people in the golf industry uh, in this whole uh, corridor of the southeast um, that many of them were affected. Fortunately, most of them did evacuate, but um, uh, there were some that, that hunkered down. And I know a few personally that... Uh, I was glad to see uh, through social media that uh, they made it through okay. So um, glad that you guys uh, made it. And then also, Cindy, very quickly, I, I think it uh, you know, certainly would be prudent of us to certainly acknowledge um, yesterday, of course, the 16th anniversary of 9-11, uh, um, one of the most horrific tragedies that, that's really ever hit the shores of uh, here in the United States. And, and again, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to those. Um, victims of that tragedy, but also to the, especially to the first responders who, who you know, really um, lost their their lives giving um, to to help many of those uh, that were trapped in the towers and 
and uh, on the uh, flights, of course, that uh, were involved, um, but also to the families, um, you know, for for just what they've had to go through this this last uh, 16 or so years. But um, uh, just a very tragic, uh, you know, circumstance. And and um, our, our again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the to the uh, to the victims of of 9/11. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's just. Uh, just a tragedy, but um, certainly uh, one that uh, you know most will will never forget. Um, let me just remind us, Cindy, before we start, we got a great show um, for for everybody uh, tuning into the broadcast. But let me just remind everybody real quick, Cindy, um, how to tune in. Go to BlogTalkRadio.com uh, every Tuesday morning from nine to ten a.m. Eastern. Uh, here on the network and just type in up in the search key type women of golf and that will take you to uh, the live broadcast uh, if you're tuning on Tuesdays and if not if you're uh, after the um, live broadcast you can still visit that link and just scroll down to the on-demand section and uh, again type in women of golf and that will take you uh, to that page and and as I said scroll down and to the on-demand section and you can listen to uh, any of the previously aired broadcasts in their entirety uh, through the auto recorded uh, uh, program, but um, also uh, for those of you that prefer maybe a different platform, you can go to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com, and under the podcast section, again, just type uh, in "Women of Golf" and that will take you there, and you can listen uh, on either of those uh, uh, media platforms. Uh, also, would love to hear from you. You're welcome to call in anytime during the live broadcast uh, here on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 Eastern, and the number to call is area code 347-945-5855. Uh, and also, if you're somebody in the golf industry or if you have any questions or comments about the show and you'd like to reach out to either Cindy or I, uh, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we're gonna, Cindy and I are going to start off with a discussion, um, and the topic today is, is what do you get out of a golf playing lesson, uh, and is it worth it? And then a little bit later in the show, in the second half, we're going to be joined by uh, both PGA and LPGA professional um, Susan Kaffenberg. Uh, she's a member at their uh, uh, instructor at the Bayberry Hills Golf Course in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So she'll be joining us on the second half. But um, um, Cindy, let me just very quickly before we start our discussion, uh, you were involved in some tournaments here recently. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, each of them? I was. I went down to Pinehurst where I competed in the LPGA National T&CP Championship. I played in the senior division, and um, I was a little bipolar. I was either great or I was terrible. And I finished Uh-oh. 14th by myself. Uh, hmm. I shot 76, 80, 77, and I, I seemed to have lots of uh, – I either made doubles or I made birdies or a couple pars. It was just kind of strange, but I learned an awful lot about me, and I was very excited about my finish, my pro-am team, which I had uh, two of my younger girl students. We won. We defended our title. We had what wow. we call the dads and daughters team, and we won the low net division, and uh, they were thrilled. They all got title as golf bags and a dozen titles wow. golf balls. Yeah. And then uh, I, I flew immediately following the tournament to Boston, and I was at the Legends Tour BJ's Charity Classic. And the first day I taught 10 women, 
um, who really mm. didn't play golf, who were kind of afraid to learn to play. And there was a pro-am going on. They had called me and said, do you mind if you don't play and if you teach the executive women? And I said, I'd love to do that. So I taught on Thursday. And then Friday was an invitational with 12 teams. And I was fortunate enough to play with Lori West as my partner. And the front nine was best ball and the back nine was a two-person scramble and we tied for eighth and I played really 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 well so I guess what um I'd like to share with the listeners is Mm -hmm. that learning how to play is a very long process and I've played for a really long time and I'm still learning And I believe that the progression of being able to compete at the highest level is such that, number one, you have to know how to hit the ball. And and you have to know how to chip and you have to know how to putt. And then you need to know what kind of shots to hit in certain situations. And then you need to know what kind of shots to hit in certain situations when there's a gun pointed at your head. Because the last tournament round I played was my best and it's funny because my partner wasn't at her best until the best ball tournament and the golf course it was at the Ridge Club and on Cape Cod which was absolutely gorgeous I might add and it was mm-hmm. a downhill par four and I outdrove my partner so she hit first and she dumped it in the water now Ooh. I'm like, oh, boy, thanks, you know, because now I've got the heat on me, never played the course, don't know how it's going to play. Well, I knocked it on the green, and I two-putted for par, uh, gratefully, and I shot one under par on that front nine, and our team was one under par. So it's funny because at the end of the round, Lori said to me, holy cow, the more pressure I put on you, the better you were. So... What I have found for me is that I almost need to play in total pursuit mode with a gun pointed at my head. Because when I go in la-la land, I don't perform. So I'd like to tell our listeners that, you know, our discussions about playing lessons and if they help. And the only way they're going to help is if you really want to learn to play better and score better. And you're not... In my opinion, you're not allowed to do a playing lesson until you can hit the ball from point A to point B. So you have to have the skill level to hit the shot, and then you need to know how to think and what shot to hit when, where, and how, and only then will you really benefit greatly by doing a playing lesson. You have to be totally engaged. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right, Cindy. I think that, uh, you know, first of foremost you have to you have to understand the basics uh, of the golf swing and you have to be able to to um as you said hit from point a to point b um you certainly don't have to you know you don't have to strike one 250 yards down the middle of the fairway that's not what we're talking about but you need to, to have some sort of consistency uh in your in your your hitting if you will uh in order to to really benefit from it and i've seen lots of players that can't hit very far uh, but boy can they score um, and I've seen other people that can, you know, belt at a mile, 
um, but they just can't put a round together. And, and, and again, it goes to, you know, what you were just talking about is they, they're just all over the place. And, you know, sometimes um, that added pressure, uh, in your case, it actually is a plus. For some people, it, it has the opposite effect. And, and this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, because we, we hear now in the industry a lot about playing lessons and, you know, you and I both understand it and most of the other teach professionals out there, you know, certainly uh, subscribe to it. Uh, but a lot of folks may not understand what we're talking about. And I think it's important, um, as you said, once you sort of have the generals and the basics uh, well at hand, um, that you engage in that. Because really, the, the truth of the matter is, Cindy, it's about how you play the game that really counts, not how well you hit the ball. I mean, certainly you want to have some uh, ability, but you don't have to be the perfect or the best ball striker on the earth, um, but you do have to be able to put it all together uh, and, and be smart about navigating around the golf course. So let's talk about just a little bit, um, and just very quickly here, and, and then we'll get into some other stuff. But some of the things as, as, a, as a teacher or coach, um, you know, during a playing lesson with, with some of your students, uh, obviously, we're going to walk around the course with them, and, and we want to keep track of some things. And here's some things that we're going to be uh, be mindful of as we go around. And uh, we want to see how many fairways that you're going to be able to hit. Uh, and we're going to keep track of these stats, and there's a reason why. We'll talk about that. Uh, how many greens that you're going to hit in regulation. Um, obviously, we're going to be counting and seeing how many putts it takes you to sink it into the hole once you do get on the green. Um, how you handle up your ups and downs and, and things like that, and what clubs you're using, um, you know, on your approach shots. Uh, you know, are you hitting, um, you know, from way back in the fairway, or are you getting it up close enough that you can hit with some of your scoring clubs, like your wedges and, and so forth? Um, and also proximity to the hole. Are you way over on the other side of the, the green, uh, or are you getting it fairly close that's giving you some opportunities? And also, we're going to talk to you about penalties um, and be mindful of that, and then obviously we're going to, um, you know, wrap it up with, with the scoring. We're going to keep track of your scoring as well. Um, but these are, are, are important factors, I think, Cindy, that as a golf uh, instructor and coach, you have to be mindful of and we want to watch. And, and the reason being, Cindy, I think is pretty obvious, is this is going to give us a pretty good gauge of how well their abilities are by how they do in some of these categories. Would you agree with that? Yes, and and I have to add I don't know that people are aware um, of all these different categories. I, I've got some junior students that are uh, sure. playing in tournaments, and, and I, one little girl just, I said, let me know how you do. And so she just texted me the other day. I shot 93, 47, 46. And I said, okay, how many fairways, how many greens, how many putts? Well, I don't know. It's on the, it's on the golf cart. Yep. And I said, well, you know, how can I understand what's going on if we don't know what you did? So it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying, you know, I don't really feel good. Well, they're going to do some tests, and those sure. tests are going to be blood work, maybe urine sample, and, and, and so they can't say, oh, well, I think you've got this without knowing what the tests are. So fairways and greens and putts, and up and downs and doubles and penalty shots and did you miss it left or did you miss it right, those are all indicators of what we need to work on. And if our right. students aren't aware of how to discern that, then we've really got nothing to help them with because they're not being yeah. they're not becoming aware of what's going on. So totally agree. <coughs> 
yeah, we want to know as a, as teacher professionals, we want to know if on each of the holes, as you pointed out, you know whether they're missing the fairway, whether there's a pattern uh, to where they miss. Are they missing it on the same side uh, of the hole all the time? That gives us an indication of obviously their ball flight. Um, and you know, did they miss the you know when missing the green? Um, did they short side themselves? Meaning, did they not take enough club? Um, so you know that falls into not just um, their physical ability but their mental game as well you know if they're if they're falling short every time of the green um, then they're not really assessing the hole properly um, they're not allowing themselves to take enough club uh, or maybe in some case especially with some of the guys out there that are a little bit overconfident that think that they're hitting their clubs a little bit further um, this is why it's important in your practice sessions uh, on the practice tee you want to know the distances that you're hitting each of your clubs under different circumstances so that when you get out on the golf course and you're faced with a 150-yard shot, you're going to know, um, and this is assuming it's a, a fairly um, straight shot and not uh, a lot of wind and things like that, um, you're going to know what club to, to pull out of the bag. And a lot of players don't. They end up short-siding themselves. Um, so these categories are, are certainly extremely important. And as you pointed out, Cindy, help us to understand a player's weakness and their strengths. Um, and well, helps and you us, know of what? course, to... yeah. go ahead. I've got to interrupt you because, again, nope. during the Pro-Am, um, the two girls that played, one is uh, 12 with her dad and the other one's 14. And um, I have not played with the 12-year-old on a golf course in a tournament ever before. And so while I was out there with them, um, I would say this is the yardage, this is how much uphill it plays, because in the practice round, what I did was I have a laser that tells me, you know, slope. And you can't use that laser in a tournament, but I did that in the practice round, so I knew if it was uphill or downhill, right? And right. I would say, okay, it's, it's 130, it's playing 145. And so she said a couple times, you know, I said, well, what club do you have? And she almost didn't want to tell me. And she said, six mm -hmm. iron. I go, you can't hit your six iron that far. Oh, yes, I can. I said, uh, <laughs> I don't hit my six iron that far. And so every shot into the green, I think I got into her head. Now, she's 12. She probably weighs 98 pounds. And I'm not saying right. most 12-year-olds can't hit at one uh, six iron 145 but so she would hit it thin or skull it and and then look at me like yeah I can hit it that far well I could skull it that far too you know so so again it's <laughs> up to us to really make our students aware of what's a good shot and and yes. it's got to go in the air and it's got to carry and how far do you fly the ball and all those extra things if you want to play and compete you need to be very aware of and not delusional. And so she's coming in for a lesson today, and that's what we're going to work on. Right, and and that just goes to the point. And it's not just with juniors that we see that. It's it's with really all levels uh, or all age groups of, of golfers. We see a lot of that. They just don't understand. Uh, and and really to go back just very quickly, um, you know, our, our primary question is, what do you get out of a, a golf course or a playing lesson? Uh, and is it worth it? Uh, the obvious answer is yes. Uh, and, and here's some of the reasons why, too. Uh, and you really laid it out very eloquently, um, Cindy, in, in your last uh, comments. And that is 
the lack of really considering uh, some of the options before they actually hit the shot. You know, what, as an example, what is the lie of the ball? Is it sitting, uh, you know, down in, in rough or is it sitting up? Uh, you know, um, because there's different, obviously, different reactions that the ball is going to have. Um, is it a flat or uneven lie? You know, there's there's all kinds of factors. And I think a lot of uh, golfers and, you know, God love them, some of these junior golfers, they get out there and they've got all kinds of confidence and, and you know, um, assurance out there that they can do it because they're they're young and they they've got lots of strength and energy uh but they don't really have a lot of mental chops as i like to say right yet and, and that's something else that we really got to help them with uh and as you said you you know you've got to get into their head and and kind of help them um formulate a game plan they need to uh, i think one of the first things that i would say to them is really let's do an assessment of the situation we're in let's take a look you know let's understand the lie let's understand the distance let's understand what obstacles may be uh maybe there you know whether it be a, a bunker or water or what have you uh and then make based on that assessment make an informed decision and sometimes it's not going to be right but at least you're you're sort of putting a game plan together and i think that's what you were talking about is really you know she just thought okay i can hit my six iron that and you know, hits the old skull shot or what have you, um, and, you know, hits it down there, but it's really not the optimal shot. So really, she didn't really put a lot of thought into it. She just sort of grabbed what club she thought she was going to be able to hit, correct? Correct. Um, what are some other factors, do you think, uh, you know, during a playing lesson, or what other things in a playing lesson that do you really look for, Cindy, um, to help you um, help your students? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head, and it's all about assessing. So what I have learned is that people that are better than me, I have always tried to learn from them. So I believe that it's very important to humble yourself and say, you know what? They always play better than me. Why? What are they doing that I'm not doing? What am I doing that they're not doing? And so I think if you humble yourself and you become open and teachable and you ask questions, then you can really improve. And I think sometimes students want to show you how good they can hit it when yes. really, like you said, it's not how good you hit it. It's how you maneuver and play the game. So you've yep. got to assess each obstacle and situation and challenge as its own separate situation, if you will. And, and mm-hmm. so I admire those who ask questions because I always did that. When I went to the University of Miami, I would sit at the driving range and listen to Bob Toski teach people, fancy, schmancy, rich people from New York City all day long. And I did the same thing at Doral with Eddie Bush because I was a sponge. So yes. I think you have to be open and teachable and, and really humble yourself. And if you do you can learn a multitude of things. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say. I mean, I would finish playing in a Legends Tour event 
And I would get a cart, and I would go out and watch the leaders finish. And I would yeah. say, okay, she hits it a lot farther than me. She doesn't hit it any farther than me. And you know who, who the number one person that I was horrified and uh, was uh, was uh, Rosie Jones. Because I, I really? was, and I was, wow, what a terrible golf swing. I mean, what an ugly golf swing. Okay, how much money <laughs> did she make? A lot. Right. Does she really care about what I think about her golf swing? No. no she could care less about what I think about her golf swing. And the other person is Barb Mucha. Now, Barb Mucha yes. has got the worst grip you've ever seen, the worst setup you've ever seen. She picks the club straight up. She comes over the top of every shot, and she hits it right down the middle of the fairway. And I've said that to her in <laughs> clinics. So I, if she was on the phone right now, I would, I would say the same thing to her. So, again, everybody's got their own swing and their own game. And once yes. you know yourself and you're – open and willing to learning, you have to believe in you and let her rip. Yeah, and, you know, you said something a, a few moments ago, which I think is spot on, um, and that is you need to ask questions. You know, regardless of whether you're in a group setting uh, or taking individual lessons, you cannot be afraid, uh, and I think a lot of people are because they're, they're afraid of looking stupid. They, they don't want to ask questions because they don't want to, think you know they think to themselves well maybe it sounds dumb um but that's how you learn you know in school it was the same way you know kids some kids would put their hands up and maybe ask questions and others were sort of sit quietly you know in the shadows and they would certainly learn a little bit but they they would not engage and you know i want um you know i want students when when something happens or if i'm saying something i want two things i want first and foremost if they don't understand what it is i'm saying I want them to say, you know what, I, I'm not sure about that, or can you clarify that? Um, because as we know, everybody has a different learning style as well. Some people are, are visual and, and, um, and, and so forth. And I think that, you know, what I might be saying to one student, they might be receiving it, um, but another student may not understand it in that format. So I might have to make some changes for, for that particular student. And I think the other thing is, uh, is to be engaging and ask questions. Um, you know, if if you're out there on the on the practice tee and you're, you know, taking a lesson and something's happening and you're not understanding why it's happening, um, you know, you need to ask those questions. Say, you know, I'm not clear. Why is the ball doing this? Or and and have your your teaching professional or your coach, um, you know, sort of lay it out for you and say, okay, this is why the ball's reacting this way, and here's how we can fix it. So that this way they, they're engaging in the conversation, right? Yeah, and here's what happened on Saturday, and this is funny. Um, we do junior clinics, and I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to fly back from Boston to do this junior clinic, and one of the dads who I had said, here's the link to sign up, you know, texted me that morning, I forgot to sign up, can I bring the boys? Now he's got three young boys, right? And I, I, I was right. like, oh, boy, there's going to be way too many kids here. I said, all right, fine, bring the boys. Well, they have a really good friend who already signed up. He followed the rules, and he did what he was supposed to, right? Now, the kid mm -hmm. that signed up is pretty new to taking golf lessons from me. And the father told me that he has this situation with his brain, that part of his brain is growing into his spine. So the young boy will mm -hmm. never, ever be able to play any contact sport. So this is going to be his game. Now, right. Two of the boys, so this boy and one of his friends are both going to be in sixth grade. 
so they're 11 or 12. And so they get to the range, and the three brothers are whacking away like crazy people. And right. now I've got 11 kids in the clinic, right? So right. <laughs> I say to the one boy by himself with the brain thing, I, I said, all right, here's what I, got, I want you guys to do. I want you to hit some balls with your feet real close together, and everybody's got to hit the ball in the air without looking. And the father goes, wait, you don't want him to look at the ball? No, I don't want them to look at the ball. Why? they got to keep their head down. I go, no, they really don't have to keep their head down. So I show them what I want them to do. So the one little boy with the brain thing is hitting balls, and he's getting frustrated, and he looks at me, and he goes, why is the ball doing that? And I said, great question, Elias, great question. (laughs) So so I I called everybody over, right? Now, the the three brothers – the other kids are listening. The three brothers aren't paying any attention to me. So the dad of the three guys says, you know, I want them to come in every week all winter long. And I said, well, here's the deal. They have to want to do this. It can't be your want. Yes. It has to be their want. So I would like you to right. go home and discuss their goals, what they want to do. Do they want to make the golf team in seventh or eighth grade? You know, they want to be number one. Do they want to break 50 for nine holes? And, and I said, yep. because to be honest with you, this other little boy over here is really more focused and, and really working at it. He goes, I can't believe you said that. I mean, the father got so offended at me. I can't believe yep. you said that. My kids have been playing golf all summer long just because they haven't come here. And I said, stop. It's not that. It's, not, it's because he's asking me questions. He's not flailing away and whacking balls and raking and hitting. Uh, please don't right. be offended. I totally took right. this dad off, and I thought, you know what, if that's the case, don't bother coming back. Because you got to have some boundaries and rules, and it's not, I'm not a babysitter. Right. So, yeah, and that's it. And so that, what that's, you're saying about asking, and this kid's 11 or 12 years old, but he's totally engaged, and he wants to know why the ball did what it did. And, and again, I mean, you just want to say, and guess what? I have the answer for you. Thank you for asking. I'm so glad that you want to know, you know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, as I've mentioned many times on the show, you know, before, I mean, I obviously don't work with with a lot of the junior uh, golfers. That's not my particular forte. But um, but even with some of my corporate types, I can tell right away in a lesson whether or not this is going to be a productive lesson by how engaged the individual are. And again, some people I know are a little shy and a little nervous. Most of the corporate types aren't because if they're, you know, got any level of success in, in their business, um, you know, they know that to ask questions and that. So usually it's not an issue, but every once in a while, you know, you'll get a small business owner that's, you know, goes by the numbers and, and goes by the stats and things, but doesn't really engage. And it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get these guys to talk. But let's bring Sue in the conversation. I see she's waiting patiently in the wings. So let me just do a quick introduction here, Sunny, um, and then we'll bring um, Sue to join us. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, of course, our very special guest this morning is Sue Kaffenberg. Uh, she's both a PGA and LPGA professional uh, up at the Bayberry Hills uh, Golf Course in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Uh, she's been teaching and coaching for over 30 years and is one of uh, only a few. As I mentioned, uh, she's a PGA and LPGA member, uh, resident of Cape Cod. She won her first mini-tour uh, event in Ohio in 1981 and known as one of the best teachers in the country. Uh, she's been recognized uh, for her unique approaching in, uh, to teaching, uh, winning awards uh, both in the region and nationally, including top teachers, uh, New England Golf Magazine in uh, 2007 and 2008 uh, recognized her, American Top uh, golf instructors from 2002 and 2003, 
Uh, been ranked among uh, the top 50 teachers uh, by Golf uh, for Women magazine, and uh, she was the 2001 uh, and PGA Teacher of the Year New England section uh, as well in 2000. So um, without further ado, uh, Cindy, let's bring on our very special guest this morning, Sue Kappenberg. Good morning. Good morning. That was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I actually had to edit it down because there were so many other accolades I could have added on there, but I wanted to give you some, some time to, uh, to talk. But, Cindy, go ahead and start. I don't know. Actually, first, let me just ask this question, and then, Cindy, I'll, I'll flip it over to you to, to, to carry on the dialogue. But, um, Sue, so let me ask you. Obviously, I know you were sitting there uh, listening to the last little bit of conversation. Uh, being a professional yourself, I'm sure you have lots of students, uh, all age groups and, and genders, of course, uh, coming to the, to the golf course to work with you. Um, do you agree with that, that obviously you want your students to be engaged and, and it makes it difficult for you as a professional when they're not engaging, asking questions? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I absolutely agree with you. But, um, you know, as a former school teacher, sometimes you have to make it um, make an arena that's comfortable for them to ask questions. And, and generally, right. um, women won't. You know, they, they just won't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm sure Cindy, you do this too, but you know, that little, uh, pre-lesson interview where I find out what they do for a living or what they like, whatever the answers are there, I'm going to use that language to present information. And all of a sudden now they're comfortable in a, in an arena they know, even though golf is not something they know. Mm-hmm. So the questions, um, evolve from that. Uh, and and you do have to engage. So much of teaching these days is just, here's the information, memorize this, I'll see you next week. And it's just not effective. No. Absolutely. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Um, so you've got some talking points here that you'd like to go over, and um... – you say golf often feels like a game of commandment to leave players confused and frustrated and miss, like keep your head down, uh, line yourself up to the target. I totally agree with you, by the way. Turn your shoulders level and shift your weight back. Hit the back of the ball. What if they're all wise? Understanding the truth will help change your beliefs and make your golf game more successful and enjoyable. So tell us what you mean by all that. Well, so often I have um... – people come to me for lessons and I I ask them what they think they're supposed to do. Most of them come and they say, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. Well, that's a dead giveaway because (laughs) I know they don't know that they don't know. Uh, But um, so much of instruction and, and what they come and tell me they're supposed to do, they'll tell me some, you know, place they're supposed to swing the club to on the backswing and then they'll tell me some place that they have to be for follow-through. And it's like mm-hmm. whatever happens in between those two things is up to the universe. <laughs> because <laughs> too often, too often, um, that moment, which I think is the number one fundamental impact, <clears throat> is never described yep. for them. So I hate, I hate the word follow-through. I hate it. Because women are going to give you the prettiest little follow-through ever, uh, yep. but it has no relevance to the moment of truth, which is when the club head meets the ball. So, 
um, all my lessons start from that. What is what is impact? What does it feel like? You know, and I'll I'll literally put them put their club uh, with them holding on, put their club against a post or a chair leg, so they can feel. Well, this is where we're trying to get to at the moment of impact. So now there are lots of different backswings and there are lots of different finishes. But let's make sure that we pass through this moment and and make it, you know, a quality moment. Yeah, I, I agree with, with exactly what you said, and you're exactly right. You know, a lot of people are more worried about um, the way their, their swing looks as opposed to um, – their impact position. So what do you do to try, Sue, what do you do to try to alleviate that, that stigma, if you will, when a lot of students come Alan to you and they're, they're worried, you just left here. Probably you know, they're, in the parking lot. they're worried about um, how their swing looks as opposed to um, how they get the, uh, an impact. I don't know if you heard I, I that. I missed some of that. I missed some of that. Yeah, I'm sorry. There. Yeah, I think, uh, Cindy, I don't know if you can hear me, but I, I'm picking up a lot of feedback in in the in the background, and uh, I don't think Sue heard what I was saying. Basically, what I was asking is just to sort of follow up with what you were talking about, Stu, um, with impact. How do you sort of alleviate that? Because you get a lot of students that come out that are worried about um, their golf swing, uh, how it looks, and uh, you know that, that sort of pretty little follow-through, if you will. What are some of the things that you uh. say to your students to help them? focus on on impact more well I, again i'll tell you i think once you give them impact and give them uh a situation where they hit the ball first and the ground second and the ball starts to fly that's what makes them smile um and they lose right. that self-conscious uh thing about how you're supposed to look at the end of this motion um you know, if they if they can deliver the club head and the shaft leaning so that their hands and the handle are ahead of the, the head, um, magic happens with a ball. They've never compressed a ball before, and they're just joyful. Um, mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing for me. And, again, I think you talked a few minutes before I came on about the, the visual and the kinesthetic and all that good stuff. Yes. Um, so much of instruction is just verbal, and this is a motorsport. That's the least effective way to get the information across to any student, uh, whether it's a tour pro or a, or a brand-new golfer. But if I can mm-hmm. show them and if I can yes. give them literally the feel of it, well, that's magic. Now all of a sudden that becomes part of their experience. So they can mm-hmm. go and access that on their own. They can go find um, a chair leg on the range. You know, we have those nice Adirondack chairs like you all have in upstate New York. Right, uh, right. And and they can put their club face right on the flat leg of that, press on it, get the sense that at impact, most of their weight is already on the left for a right-handed golfer. Secondly, that from their front shoulder down to the club head is one line and that their right wrist has a bend in it. Well, I mean, that's new information for even some players who've been playing for a long time. Uh, Once you identify that, that is a gate that they have to get through. 
and that becomes their focus. And it's it's kind of easy. It, it kind of simplifies it instead of, okay, you've got to have this thought on the backswing. Okay, and don't forget about your head, and don't forget about uh, belly buttons and all this stuff. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I, I, I find they uh, drink the Kool-Aid very willingly and early. <laughs> right. And and I think um, you're right. I think that a, a lot of the, uh, unfortunately, there's there's still a lot of teaching out there that involves, um, you know, too much um, information and not keeping it simple. And, and one of the things that, that I try not to do when I'm working with students, and obviously it, it falls in with the assessment um, period, but if I know somebody hasn't played um, golf very much, or maybe they're a, a beginning golfer, the last thing I'm going to do is start throwing out a lot of golf jargon that they don't understand to, to add sort of fuel to the fire and make it more confusing. And that sometimes I think people forget that in, in our profession is they forget that, you know, not everybody knows all of the ins and outs and all the, the technical terms and things like that. And there are certainly some students that, that will gravitate to that, but a lot of students don't. And, you know, as I've said before on the show, Cindy, you know, I don't want them looking at me and their eyes rolling in the back of their head like a slot machine because they don't understand what I'm talking about. Um, is that something that you are conscious of as well, Sue, in your teaching, is to, to sort of make sure that you don't get too technical or too uh, verbal, if you will, um, with a lot of tech, uh, technical terms and things like that that are going to be confusing to your students? The, the bottom line is this. Once you empower any student to understand they're in charge of the club head and the club face, their whole purpose changes. So you don't even need words, frankly. So I, I agree right. with you 100%. You don't need to put, you know, tons of technical jargon in. But to your point about asking questions, you know, how come my ball did that? Well, the balls are lawful, and they will do what the face tells it first and what the pass tells it second. So the minute you show somebody that they're hitting it, you know, 30 yards to the right and can show them that the club face did that, you know, that gives them information that they can process. Uh, and then they right. become part of the solution. And it becomes really simple. Uh, uh, it really is. Um, yeah, so I, I agree. Um, such, such a big thing. And, sorry. And, you know, it's like my little banner uh, to make sure that we give them an understanding of club face and what you call that. I don't know that people understand that, and I'm, that's the number one thing. The ball goes with the face points. And once they really stop and pay attention and understand that, the light bulb goes off, like you said, and, and they can really control what they do with the club. I mean, people are standing on the driving range trying to hit the ball, and it's like, eh, wrong thing. Let's control the face. You know, so I totally agree with you, Sue. Yeah. And it so makes, got, it makes uh, teaching easy, <laughs> I think. Easier, anyway. Absolutely. Definitely. Cindy, Cindy I, know, I know you've got some more questions. Go ahead. Um, so who's your favorite student? What do you like to teach them? Who's my favorite student? Hmm. Um, there are two categories of that, um, and they're equally close to my heart. 
I had a, a gentleman come early this season who was just visiting Cape Cod for a month. And he was like 75 years old, shoots his age like nothing. Um, hmm. He'd been playing like forever. And yet he, he was kind of a seat of the pants kind of guy. Um, so I loved being able to explain things to him and empower him even more. Uh, and he was like, uh, you know, a total sponge. So I love that kind of student who asks and, and understands, and you can progress really faster. On the other side of that, I also adore my, you know, higher handicap ladies who especially one who, you know, keeps showing up to the clinics and private lessons, and she's also 70-something and just can't get enough and wants more and more. And the conversation is a different conversation. Um, Like you said, you know, you have to be more selective in the words. But I I love that, that that she keeps coming and she wants more and more. So... You know, you can't always play favorites. I, I have two categories. <laughs> so open, well, and, think, open and teachable. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And yeah, the I, age doesn't matter. The gender doesn't matter. And the ability doesn't really matter. It's just that thirst for knowledge. Just tell me how. Yes. You know, and help me. Help me understand how to use this body that I came with. In the best way. Yeah, I, I like that, and that you know that's something that I try to do with with a lot of the the folks that I work with, is I want them to sort of have that thirst, uh, if you will, and that's a, I think a great way to put it. And I want you know come the end of the lesson, I want them to, um, you know, feel that you know satisfied, not necessarily that that we've solved all the problems necessarily in the lesson, but that they've, they've got that thirst to want to come back and that they've got, um, you know, almost that they're, they're disappointed the lesson is over. Um, you know, I want them to be um, excited about what they've learned that particular day and then to carry that over until the next time um, that we get together so that they're out there working on the things. One of the biggest things, um, Sue, and I'm sure you run into this uh, as, as most of us do, is students that will come and take lessons but then do nothing in between until the next time they come, and then there's there's obviously no improvement. Um, what do you do with students like that? Obviously, you know you want to be able to help them, but there, does there come a point in time where you sort of just turn to them and say, "Look, you know, either you've got to start doing something on your part, or you're just sort of you know wasting time and, and money." How do you handle students like that 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 are coming for the lessons, but they're just not doing any of the work in between to, to seek out improvement? You know, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I can, again, the school teacher thing, you know, I'm going to wrap them on their knuckles with a ruler, not really. Um, but, but, you know, if they want to come to me and, and keep coming and, and, you know, I'm not inexpensive, to say the least, uh, you know, that's right. prerogative. I learned, I learned such a good lesson, like, in the beginning of when I was teaching, like, I don't know, 25 years ago, and this lady, bless her heart, she she came uh, for her lessons with her little dog, <laughs> mm. and the dog <laughs> sat there in the lesson, and um, 
you know, things were hard for her. She was a large woman, and make a long story short, after about four lessons or so, you know, the improvement was small, but it was there. And she said, Sue, do you think I should keep doing this? And I don't know, thank the Lord the words came out of my mouth rather than say, well, Vivian, you know, maybe not. But instead I said, (laughs) Vivian, are you having a good time? And she said, oh, yes, I just love this. So who was I to judge her degree of satisfaction with improvement? So I will will never – I'll dismiss people who aren't willing to do what I present to them, but not if they keep coming back. Sure. Yeah, and, and you're right. That that's a great point that you make, Sue. Because you're you're right. You know, there are some students that uh, there's very modest improvement, but they're enjoying it. And it really, the truth of the matter is, we want them to have fun playing golf. It doesn't matter whether they, you know, hit it a hundred yards down the fairway or hit it, you know, three hundred yards down the fairway. If they're enjoying themselves out in the golf course and having fun and and uh, you know, in playing the game, but also uh, it's become a social thing for them. If they're having fun, you're exactly right. We don't want to, you know, sort of squash that. Um, but there are those students that really um, are expecting uh, or maybe have high expectations but don't want to put any work in. And, you know, we see that in all facets of life, obviously. But um, those are the ones, I guess, that I'm, I'm really talking about. And I think you answered that as, as well very eloquently. Um, what do you most want students to know um, when they come and, and take a lesson? What is it that you're really trying to get across to them um, that they can take home uh, from that lesson? What, what thought or what process do you want them to, to take away from a lesson? Boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I think the bottom line for me, it's not just about my exchanging information with them. I want them to be part of the solution, which means if if the number one thing the number one thing they want want, and I'm sure this is true for both of you, the number one thing they want is consistency. You know, some people say, "Oh, I want to hit it farther." Yeah, 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 but it's consistency. Right. So, sure. In approaching things, I want them to be as much a detective as I am and say, well, if you want consistency, then doing this act is not your best approach, you know, whatever, whatever their fault is. You know, for a lot mm-hmm. of people, maybe shifting their weight too far to the right on their backswing is going to produce one great shot out of ten, but the seven of them are going to be unplayable. They'll be topped or fat or whatever. So if, you, if, I, if I present to them that if you want this, if you want to strike the ball with more consistency, then here are some of the parameters you've got to address. And you can feel that. You can look in a mirror, blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got to be part of that detective work. So when they leave a lesson, I don't want them just to take my information. I want them right. to take the information so they can solve some of the stuff themselves when they go and hit on the range. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I've often said that really what we do is we provide them with the tools um, to help them um, build a better game, but it's really up to them what they do with those tools, and you're exactly right. 
Um, you know, we're not there to transmit our golf game to them, but just provide them with um, some of the information that they need to know to to develop their own um, game, but their own solutions to, to some of the problems and difficulties that they're having. And uh, that was a great way to put it, Sue. Thank you for, for doing that. Cindy, do you have any final thoughts or, or questions for um, that, Sue? Our time's getting very close. Yeah, that was awesome what you just said, and I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal it if you don't mind because you're absolutely <laughs> right. They do want to be consistent. And, and you know, it's funny because my whole life I've tried to purchase yardage because I've always wanted to hit it further. And in the last two weeks I, I got to play with a friend of mine um, who made a lot of money playing on the LPGA Tour. And when I played with her, um, I was outdriven when she happened to hit it good by 30, 40 yards. But my reflection after these three rounds that I got to play with her was, you know what, I might hit it 30 or 40 yards behind her, but I was in the fairway the whole time, yep. and she was in the woods. And so, again, it's if you say you want this, then will that act produce your the result you're looking for? So thank you, Sue. That was great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, I watched the uh, the long drive contest the, uh, the on TV the other night, and uh-huh. I was amazed that they you know they get eight balls I think or something like that, and like six or seven of them are out of play. They only need one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Consistency. That's my banner. There you go. Right, exactly. Um, Sue, how can the folks, if they're interested, if they're going to be up your way, or, or do you have a website or something, if they want to learn more uh, information about some of the things that you do and, and your teaching philosophies, or somewhere that you can direct them that uh, they can get more information um, Absolutely. It's it's straightforward. It's uh, my website is golf lessons Cape Cod. That's plural golf lessons Cape Cod dot com. And uh, you know, they can Google my name and and everything will come up or they can reach me at uh, an easy number which is five oh eight uh, sorry, five oh eight thirty six four golf. Wow. Very good. <laughs> Well, Sue, we want to take this opportunity and thank you for, for joining us this morning and uh, sharing some of your thoughts and input uh, about this great game that we all, of course, love. And that's why we're doing what we do. And uh, we hope that you'll come back and, and join us again in the future. Um, but um, have a great uh, rest of the week and uh, keep doing all the great things that you're doing. And thank you for, uh, for being a, you know, one of the, the true professionals uh, in, this, in this industry. Keep uh, keep up the great work, and thank you for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf. Thanks. I, I love doing your show, and uh, Cindy, it was great to see you last week. Thanks, Sue. So. Great to see you, too. Take care of that beautiful right. daughter of yours. Oh, thanks. I will. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. thanks. Bye-bye, honey. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, uh, PJ, LPJ professional, at the Bayberry Hills Golf Course in Cape Cod. Uh, of course, we're talking about Sue Kaffenberg um, joined us this morning. Thank you, Sue, for, for some great uh, thoughts and insight into the game. Um, 
Cindy, as always, uh, we, we've got to wrap up because we're running a little bit tight here, but and I know you've got uh, a great uh, lesson to, to get to. So um, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to take this opportunity to thank all of the listeners uh, worldwide for faithfully tuning in. Uh, we're, we're growing each and every uh, time we're on air, so thank you for, for all the new listeners that are coming in. And don't forget to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf if you want to uh, listen to this broadcast in its entirety, if you happen to miss it. Um, you can go to that link and uh, listen to its entirety on the recorded version. Just scroll down to the on-demand section. And uh, we will be back next week with another great guest. In the meantime, um, thank you uh, once again for joining us. And, uh, again, be safe if you're out uh, uh, making your way back home for those Floridians that uh, had to evacuate. If you're uh, planning on heading back, just make sure that you check ahead uh, that everything is safe because I know they're still moving a lot of debris and uh, there could be some, uh, still some power outages and things like that. So just make sure that you uh, double-check before you get back on the roadways and that to make sure everything's safe. But uh, on that note, thank you, and Cindy and I look forward to having you join us next week here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, and God bless everybody. Thank you, Cindy, and have a great week. You too, the same. Bye-bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.